welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I am your host, Julian Guderlai. And today with me is Travis Grant. Uh, welcome, Travis, to the show. You are the founder and creator of Auravana Project. And uh, I want to hear about the, the vision and the, the standards that Auravana is bringing into the world. I'm very excited for a futuristic conversation with you today. Thanks, Julian. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I really enjoy chatting with you. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, so one of the taglines that comes along with Aravana is um, the rise of community, right? And um, getting unified specifications for creating so that, you know, not everywhere all the time we need to reinvent the wheel as we're going into, yeah, a society that is, you know, changing on a planetary scale. Do you want to share with us, Travis, how that all started for you and like where your access point was to, to say, this is, this is my purpose. This is what I need to drive. This is what I want to bring into the world. Like my own history, like a history of my background. Um, yeah, so I grew up, yeah, I grew up uh, seeing many different cultures and many different ways of living on the planet. Um, I was, I guess, somewhat fortunate as I was growing up that I got to live in the Middle East. I got to live in Asia. I got to live in Europe. I got to see parts of Africa. I got to live in the United States. And so I got to see a lot of different ways of living on the planet. Um, I, uh, I went to high school in Singapore in the, um, in the late 1990s. And uh, there was a lot of interesting technology there. Uh, and as I was living there, I was traveling to the United States. And um, I, I found that the United States when I moved here after living there had less of a technological experience to life, less of, it was so beautiful in Singapore. Singapore was just like, and then I moved to the United States and there was less, less aesthetics. And um, then I went to university because I began feeling like, hey, we can make this beautiful life for everyone. We can give a beautiful life to everyone. I don't understand why some people are living in less fulfilling ways than others. And so my initial desire, my initial um, thinking about this was the way that we can change society for the better so that everyone can live in the ways that I saw some people live and in some ways got to live myself. Uh, we, we could do that through... Um, the intelligence industry, because that was my upbringing to some degree. And so I thought that, hey, we could make a better world by operating in governments and operating in states and, and working in secret. And uh, I, 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 you know, I got an undergraduate degree in this field, and then I went on to uh, work in this field slightly. And I began seeing that this, you know, I began as I was working and learning more about that direction, the direction of secrecy, the direction that you can help based upon secrecy. I began seeing it wasn't, I couldn't understand how I was going to create a better world and help facilitate a better um, way of living on the planet that way. And so I then thought, well, maybe the education system, maybe I'll get into the education system. The education system is really the way to bring this about. So I got a degree in uh, essentially learning sciences, uh, designing more effective, efficient, and appealing learning environments. And this, um, this, after that, I, 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 uh, began, um, I began trying to integrate the information that I've been hearing about for the past couple of years um, uh, about how we could live in a marketless, stateless society where maybe we don't need the market and the state. Maybe one of the 
real issues underlying the lack of fulfillment on this planet is the trade that separates us and the coercion of the state. And so maybe we could begin, uh, maybe I could begin facilitating, uh, bringing about this information that, hey, if we organize ourselves intelligently, if we design our systems intelligently, and they, they are engineered to meet our need fulfillment, that it, this might be possible. So I began looking at the information that was out there, uh, and I began integrating it. Um, and that has resulted in a set of what I would refer to as uh, socio-technical societal standards. They're a set of societal standards that describe a different configuration of society, a type of society that meets our human need fulfillment, which is common to all of us, these categories of needs, which we can all uh, have optimally fulfilled given what we currently know on the planet. So I began working on the, this set of socio-technical standards um, for what I guess at the highest level you might call community. Because what are we all want to, where do we all want to live? It seems like the word community is used to express that which, which another thing we all have in common at the highest level. Mm. And so this is essentially a set of socio-technical standards that the project Oravana project is producing based upon working groups. These the same as that. How is any socio-technical society? What is it based on? They're all based on standards. Even the market state configuration of society is based on a set of hey, many sets. Let's say many sets of so not an integrated set oriented toward human need fulfillment and our global community. Yeah, thank you so much for, for kind of walking us into your, your passion there and explaining it from, you know, um, like a brief overview of, of like how you started as a global citizen really early and went through the intelligence community and realized that secrecy, even though, you know, it might feel fancy while you're on the inside, it, it like can lead to you know, a, a more just or more connected world is, you know, by based on who's building it, basically, it, it, you know, very, very interesting to see that that angle of your, um, of your access to the work you're doing with Aravana now. Um, and I know you can get quite technical, because you have a, you know, like a vast capacity to really see these different, um, you know, um, elements that create standards, but, but I, I think, you know, it's very interesting to come back to the term community um, and let's just have like a, a you know, like a conversation about this. You and I, I, I find by definition as humans, we cannot live outside of community. Like even, even though maybe we're talking about community, meaning something very specific when you use the word, like, you know, a, a community type society, but really, even if you don't know your neighbors or you don't know where your food is coming from, you can't live in isolation, even though you might perceive this, the illusion of separation. Like we're always in community. This is, this is who we are as, uh, you know, we've had this on the podcast before. We're, we're living in interrelating and uh, in, in interbeing at all times, basically. Uh, yes. So um, I do think we can live outside of a community type configuration of society. Um, I think we can... I think we can live. We, we might not be living well. We might be living in conflict. We might be, um, many of us 
living in a state of suffering inside, I think we can continue to live but not live well outside of community. And I think that's the type of configuration we have and people use the word community to represent a lot of things that are a lot less than community could represent to all of us. Um, and yeah, you're right, we can't live, we can't, we can't live without, we can't live in separation is what you said. We can't, can't live in separation. Well, and you're it's right. Kind of paradoxical, right? Because we are, but you can't like, we are, but we aren't is kind of what I'm trying to say. Yeah, we connect our fulfillment, I think. Um, and so you're right, we're not, we're not living in separation, total separation from one another, but we are living in disconnection from something that is intrinsic to all of us and also common. Um, mm. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's kind of the way we're living now. Very interesting. Yeah. We, and so, you know, when, when, when I dove deeper into the work that, that Aravana is, is creating, there is also like, you know, the, the very futuristic kind of picture of, of what this can look like. And then the transition team, and then also just facing as we were starting to talk about now, what systems um, and what, you know, type society we're living in right now. And you said it's state and government uh, controlled or governed. Um, but I would love to hear about, you know, um, the habitat service system idea and what you know just using the word habitat what 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 change and difference comes in because of understanding that planet earth is a shared habitat for all the beings like beyond you know just the human profitability yeah it's a common ecological system that we all share um, that word is not only at, used in ecological sciences but it's also used in uh um, space sciences, you know, we have um, habitats up, you know, in space, um, or very near space. Um, so, uh, so the habitat service system, I, I, it's, it's, let me just break down the uh, base configuration of society as a this type of society that I'm explaining as a whole and describe the four systems that it's separated in. Because in order to understand habitat, you know, you have to understand those four systems. But before that, let me just say that sometimes we, I use different language than most other people would use. So when we're referring to a habitat, in fact, what we're referring to is a city or um, a, 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 de a population density of uh, some sort of, of us where we have our needs fulfilled and we're capable of fulfilling our needs and we're capable of interfacing with the local ecological services and the planetary ecological services. So in fact, when you're talking about these, uh, this habitat service system, that word is like a, um, that word essentially means city city system uh, or eco-village system or village system, you can have small habitat services systems. And then you also, it, it gets complex, but you can have small habitat service systems like a, an eco-village and you can have large habitat service systems. And then at the higher level, the four standards level, you're talking about a global habitat service system network. So a network of these city systems. And then above that, so if you imagine here at the base, you have the materiality where there are habitat, there is a habitat service system network of small habitats like eco-villages and large habitats like cities and they're networked and they're networked based upon a uh, contribution and access to a 
uh, set of common heritage resources. So you have the physical materiality where we live in these habitats and they're networked and we have our needs fulfilled. Then at the higher level, you have a set of standards. And there are four standards that basically you can uh, that would faci facilitate any uh, facilitate an understanding of any almost any configuration of society that we can we could either understand or engineer. So you can also use these uh, these systems because they're essentially information sets, categ categorical information sets that are like axiomatic to a society. So those four are the social system, the decision system the material system, and the lifestyle system. And so someone might say then, well, what is an economic system? And an economic system is a decision system at a higher level. It's a decision system about the acquisition and transformation of, of uh, resources into needed goods and services. Mm -hmm. So you have a, the economic system, it's actually a decision system. A lot of people, when most people say socioeconomics, they're actually talking about the configuration of their society and they're talking about all the systems the same, but in Oravana, they're in, in the way that we uh, have designed this. And so we were capable of engineering, you know, a type of society because you have to understand this, the whole set of systems. You have a social system, decision system, material system, and lifestyle system. And that material system represents all the objects in this materiality around us. And all those objects are formed by us and our technologies into cities and eco-villages. And in our documentation, we refer to that um, that local uh, operation of habitats as a habitat service system and the total global system where decisions are taken to uh, share common heritage resources for the fulfillment of all of us as a global habitat service system. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, just to reiterate those, so social system, decision system, lifestyle system, and material system, right? And the material system yes. is what's most visible, I guess. Um, it is, yes. I remember seeing a graphic on your website with an iceberg. And so the material system is kind of the iceberg above water, and then the rest is kind of the the, the trunk of it below water or the, the body of it. Like there are two, just to, it, for our reality, there are two threads that make up our reality, information and materiality. And you could kind of maybe insert a third and say our consciousness, right? So we are in a physical environment. We have awareness and we think about information and we are conscious and we can take decisions. So that's the way that, and the system patterns that inside those four systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm curious to, to to hear a bit more about, you know, today in this episode, because, you know, your body of work with Aravana is, is quite vast and um, really beautifully detailed. And then I, you know, I often in, in episodes, I often think about like, what is the most pragmatic connection to the here and now that people can, can you know, just literally connect to the project? Like, let's say... Um, you know, the question would be, is there like an existing physical representation or a physical village that you guys are collaborating with? Or what is that transition uh, period that you're that, that you're talking about is, is kind of my follow up question with it as well, because it sounds like that's really where we are now. And then um, the bigger vision of a, you know, community type society free of the market and government as our um, uh, organizing factors. I mean, you know, fingers crossed, um, we get there, but it's still at times also feels quite far away. Um, how do you see that? And, yes. and, and where's the, the two-day pragmatic reality of Aravana 
uh, project. Okay. Yeah. So, um, oh, that's a third question. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. You got it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, um, in terms of where Oravana is, it's not just, I'll answer that question first because I'm right there now. In terms of where Oravana is, um, Oravana is uh, a project that I think uh, a lot of us are also working on. So it's to me, it's not just where Oravana is, it's where all of us are together in our projects working toward this common direction. Um, so so that that sort of answers that question. It's uh, what's the what's the sum of the progress of all of our projects who are working toward this common direction, and really how far are we in creating what we say we want and really what we need um, in terms of like where Orvana is. So we have a set of uh, we have the set uh, you know a second the second version of the standards essentially. Um, we have the four uh, system standards the, the the four basically the four systems that represent the configuration of the society in uh a, you know the second second version and we have a system overview which describes uh this type of society that i'm talking about and we have a project plan that describes how uh, coordination and contribution and project planning occur in order to facilitate the transition and also to live in this type of configuration of society so uh, in terms of what uh, we, we also have 1,800 models, because in one of the most significant things I think we can learn together when we're engineering things is that we have to visualize everything. It reduces conflict, it makes decisioning easy. So we also have 1,800 models or figures you could re that are referenced in the standards re or referenced by the standards. They're all named according to their location in the standards. So that's a lot of models describing uh, the visualization. We have high-level visualization models. We have transition models. We also have market state models. Um, but in order to resolve conflict we and uh, facilitate understanding, we model everything. Uh, we... That's essentially where the project is. We have a few people working on working groups, not many. Um, we would like way more people facilitating development of, uh, of well, working on working on essentially what we're working on at the project. There are a lot of, again, there are a lot of other projects working on this direction. So no matter what one's doing, that's fantastic. Uh, in terms of our project, yes, we, we, we kind of need, I guess you could say, um, we need people to help work on uh, the standards. In terms of, uh, because then what do you do with a set of standards? How do we create a transition to this new way of living? And so how we essentially have to have, what are standards? Standards are adopted and aligned with, just like agreements. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it is a set of like knowledge and agreements. So uh, we essentially have to have community type standards, standards representational of a this configuration understood primarily and after they're understood, you align your local environments or whatever you have, you know, um, whatever you're interfacing with, you facilitate alignment with a set of community standards. So uh, that can happen at the personal level by personal choices that can, but yet primarily in order to transition society, it will have to happen at uh, the organizational level, potentially the state level, potentially um, the market level, or potentially just people getting together and beginning to uh, build these habitats uh, in order and this network. 
um, and a, a, an environment and a state environment that allows the formation of these sorts of organizations. And that requires the adoption of standards, the same as any other organization out there. So we don't have any adoption of these standards yet by anyone. So, uh, and transition, uh, they are thinking during transition, there are things that we want to amplify and there are things that we want to reduce. And then we want to have uh, a greater alignment with the standards. The way we sort of, the way I sort of envision this coming about is people developing uh, these, uh, what we, we're working on a, um, a local, uh, rural, um, although again, there are many versions of habitats and community, but what, with the resources that we have and there are eco-villages out there, so they could just begin adopting or aligning with these sorts of standards. But we're planning on building um, a habitat, a low uh, rural um, abundance of food, fuel, and fiber producing habitat, and uh, having a set of essentially residency agreements, and then creating a network maybe with um, a DAO or other DAOs that are out there, and then create having that network join eco, an eco-village network. And so you begin sharing resources and information amongst this network, and you, you have some sort of an allowance of state who have begun to allow for these sort of operation of standards. I mean, it's like we have a lot of documentation now. So, but then again, I don't know, it'll come about organically. There might be a lot of conflict on some places on the planet, although I hope not. I think we will eventually live in this on, uh, eventually, I think we will live in this way without, you know, without money, without Mark without states and without uh, socioeconomic class division on this planet. I think that will come about when I have, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, this is really, this is really the deep passionate drive. A lot of us that, you know, are able to um, not get sidetracked only in the day-to-day -day of, of like, you know, uh, news and updates of governments in the current day, in the current like stream of what's incoming right from your cell phone to your television to to the internet like if you don't get lost in this many of us and many people listening are either working on projects or are connected to projects or are living in eco village type environments or have at least tried it to realize well there are so many different ways how to play this human journey and as we're connected to some more um you know i i see all of this through the lens of regeneration as we're connected to more um, nature-based principles as the guiding principles to how we organize living, um, you know, governed by secrecy or state or governed by uh, industrial capitalism. It just doesn't seem to be the best way to, to govern. Like apart from all the conspiracy, apart from all the rabbit holes you could get less, lost into, it just doesn't create a fair and equitable world, right? And so people like you and I that have been privileged enough to, to travel a lot in, in, um, you know, in the younger years or, or ongoing, like, this is very visible everywhere in the world. And so um, any step forward we can make is a step forward. But I really think, and this is why I'm having you on today, Travis, that, you know, despite um, maybe not needing anyone to master plan all of it, our perception of it as a whole is very important. And at that point, standards become very important again, you know, just like the way I'm seeing the transition is, and help me help me understand if, if if you see it similarly or different. But the way I'm seeing the transition is also that a lot of these different, um, let's call them habitats, you know, places where 
good people come together to do good things in, you know, allyship with the earth and with their social local fabric, those places need to be in exchange and in communication with each other. And usually that is not, you know, not the forte of someone who is growing an agroforest or, or someone who's like, you know, dealing on the ground with, with 50 or hundred people every day is usually their forte is doing that, not being in touch with other eco villages or other projects or other regenerative projects across the world. And so that's where I see Aravana also, you know, coming in and playing a role is to, to help that synchronization, um, you know, rather than just kind of defaulting back to, uh, the internet and all of the regular places that we've grown so accustomed to in the last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of master plans, I think our habitat is sort of being right now, our, the way our, our world is constructed is constructed based upon master plans. Um, uh, you know, significantly, I think maybe the plans of people who, um, had other interests, than community and people moving to eco villages and living in eco villages. I think they're they're realizing that we can we can we can master plan together and we can master plan a more sustainable world mm. together. And uh, so I think that's yeah that's I mean if you look at the local um, if you look at the the habitats essentially in a community configuration of society they're master planned but they're also customized. Mm -hmm. so they're customized to the local population and so they're designed to literally meet the the needs of local populations um which is what eco villages are attempting right now and we can begin doing that together optimizing that experience of flow in our lives that we get by living in environments that you know are regenerative and give us more energy so yeah, well put. Yeah, I'd love to ask a few questions there. Um, if, you know, just maybe even like just personal questions, just to get to understand Travis, the 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 mastermind behind that 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 bigger body of work that Aravana is is steadily becoming. So one of my questions, Travis, would be, um, if you, your team of experts, whoever you choose, if you were to change the education system at large, like what would you do? What would be some of the wheels you would turn um, when it comes to education? Um, both for you know young people but also you know in general education is a large topic i mean we're 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 all lifelong learners would you agree uh yeah i definitely agree that we're all lifelong learners um so that i can approach that uh from several different perspectives uh the first uh yeah education is a lifelong process education is a phase in our life and also uh, so it's really, so what I'm saying is that that word education sort of means at least two things to me. So, uh, if we talk about, uh, how work gets done and we get fulfilled in, um, the market state versus community, you have, uh, essentially three phases of life. Do you not in today's society, you have the education phase where you go to school, university, then you have the employment phase, and then you have the retirement phase. In community, there you you have, I guess, the set three similar phases. You might have an education phase, you might have a contribution phase, uh, and you might have a leisure phase. And that contribution phase, maybe you want to decrease the number of working years that people need to contribute in order to meet the needs of everyone. In order to live in a 
optimized society where you're experiencing flow, you do need lifelong learning. I mean, if we want to experience more flow in our lives, learning is an essential part of that experience of where we feel our best and feel most connected in the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, yes, we want flow throughout all three phases of our life. And we want to continue learning throughout all three phases of our life, if that's, you know, how we structure our society. Um, in terms of uh, education and learning, that's actually discussed in the lifestyle system, because in the lifestyle system, just like the lifestyle now, there are three phases, the lifestyle and community has those three phases, education, essentially work to help everybody meet our needs, um, and also a phase where essentially you don't feel the duty in society doesn't say, hey, you have to work where, you know, we, we don't need the, 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 you know, your labor anymore in order to meet everybody's needs so then of course then you can look at this in terms of the habitat service system so in the habitat service system you have three needs uh essentially you have life support technology support and exploratory support and so in the habitat service system there are then subsystems to those life support systems there are subsystems technologies and exploratory support under exploratory support education or a learning subservice system exists and resources are categorically dedicated to that in these habitats so those are the different ways to kind of look at lifelong learning and education and if we were to talk about education today and how we could help people today uh and how we might change the education system today. I would just be talking to any old individual who's listening right now, because you know, it's it's all of us. We're it's this, it's this idea that we go to school and we get graded and you know, we get extrinsically rewarded that disconnects right. us from learning and lifelong learning. So, you know, if I it's just talking to the people who are listening, if I was to change the education system, like and I had authority, which I wouldn't have and I don't want and that's like I think we should just sort of advocate for the adoption of standards that's not my role to 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 that but if we could like change the education system okay and I was talking to an individual out there who was a professor or uh, someone who worked in an educational institution I would think about the way we discipline information in that educational institution and instead of disciplining it by subject the way we currently discipline it. I would mm -hmm. discipline it based upon a unified information system that connects everything and is essentially the standards. I mean, when you're having education, what are you being educated on? A set of standards that's informed by science and agreements or, you know, some authority. So that's, that's I would begin looking, every individual looking at connecting the disciplines that they've been schooled into mm -hmm. and coming away with a new configuration of society based upon a set of societal standards. I love how your mind works, Travis. There's definitely like a lot of uh, depth in, in, in just what you shared. And, you know, there, I want to highlight a sentence that came, came through there, which is, you know, if you were to go down this road, then you'd have authority, which you don't want because you are advocating for standards rather than authority. I think there's a very important point to differentiate is the understanding that standards in our current world are often 
implemented and demanded upon by authorities. However, if you take authorities out of the equation and you see standards more as like an open source library of where humanity meets to say, when we do things to this level of excellence, or when we do things to this level of integrity, or when we do things to this level of interconnectedness, then everyone benefits. Now that's standards in a much simpler way of looking at it, right? An open source yeah. and our information systems that, that can help us to be open sourced um, are like a, a pivotal part of that. Um, they are. Is, we is have that to know is what a good way to simplify and, it? Yeah, we have to know what resources and information we have access to. You know, that has to be open and common. We have to transparently see what we can do with the resources we have. And we have to have an open information sort of operating systems program for our society so that we all understand it. Because if it becomes secret, then we're we're cutting, we're disconnecting from the available information that would optimize our fulfillment. And we can do that so much such as under our current configuration of society that we experience a lot of conflict. So yes, it's about uh, accounting for resources, accounting for information, accounting for contribution. And uh, so then you have like, how does work get done in community? You have inform or, you know, in our society right now, you have information working groups and you have people working in our cities and eco villages, habit in com community lingua, this would be called uh, habitat service team members. You have habitat service team members and you have information working groups and you need transparency when you're working in this sort of environment. Uh, when you're working for the fulfillment of all. Yeah, transparency is a big one, hey? You you talked about secrecy and earlier. And yeah. you know, like secrecy is one of our shadows, I guess, as humans. We all go through it. I mean, it, there are probably times in life and it's nice to have secrets, but then really it doesn't create intimacy on a personal, interpersonal level. Um, but And on a societal level, it doesn't create fairness or justice or connection, actually, right? It creates uh superiority and and then ultimately transparency would be us living in our gift living in our like state of um yeah like a, maybe a state of fulfillment even right if, if we can actually deal with with transparency on a level of like truly deeply seeing the needs of the earth the needs of each other and the needs of people beyond countries or companies how do you see that in the transition phase like how does transparency rise is it just a natural curve in in, in our evolution because we're just learning so much about how secrecy sucks or like, wow, where, where does your mind go? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think transparency has been uh, uh, with us for a long period of time. I mean, in most indigenous tribes, it's my understanding, you know, they were very transparent. They lived more egalitarian. Um, you know, if something happened in the tribe, they were transparent about it because they were oriented toward fulfillment and that required contribution to their tribes. You know, and so in order to in order to essentially coordinate contribution, because we're dealing with a different configuration of society where people don't aren't get they don't get money and they don't make purchases, they they're educated, they contribute, and then they have a leisure life and they don't have to pay for anything. Um, and so, in order to uh, bring this sort of society into existence, I think we need to. Uh, begin operating more openly and transparently. Uh, it's and but that doesn't mean we can't have privacy. So uh, we, I don't know how privacy will shape up 
moving into the future uh, with new technologies or with new understandings. Um, I right now appreciate my privacy because I'm in, you know, specific, we're in a market state. Um, and in some ways, privacy is important. I don't know how that concept will be expressed exactly in a community configuration of society. Some habitat services with some people, they might have more privacy, you know, but in so we can separate the, I just want to separate those two. Uh, transparency, I think, is just, uh, we, we need it because if if we're if we're engineering something and we're trying to engineer it safely together as soon as you begin and remember society you could view as like yes it's something that we're all living in and we're connecting to but it's also you could view as an engineered system and uh so you know we need transparency into that system because how are people going to understand how they can best contribute instead of getting paid they're intrinsically motivated to contribute where they desire and where is necessary and available um so it's a complex concept it's also described to some degree in the uh, the social system uh, yeah and yeah. privacy it's a related concept yeah, totally. And, you know, we could digress into that, but I want to ask a different question in, in, instead, because like all of these are very deep topics. And, you know, in today's episode, we kind of will skim the surface and just show like a bit of an insight in, in how uh, your your mind works, but also how Aravana is addressing all of this. So my next question is is much more on an environmental level in terms of, you know, trash and pollution. Like, what's your thought on the big picture of trash and pollution and the path forward with that? Yeah, that's, um, that's difficult. Uh, I, you know, it's very sad. Um, I've, you know, there are a lot of places I've been around the planet, I'm not going to mention any names, but where I've seen a lot of trash, some countries, people uh, live in their environments and see very little trash. I've, um, I've been to places where uh, you're, I, we went into the ocean, and you're essentially, you don't realize it, but you're swimming in trash. Um, and then you look around, there's just trash everywhere. You just had a you know, you had a, you had filters on your eyes before you went in. Um, I sometimes I've lived around people burning trash. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a product. It's a, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's a product of the market state. It's a product of the way we currently live. It's a product of us being disconnected from our ecological services, from our need fulfillment, from one another. Um, it's just a, you know, an express condition of the way we are connecting with one another and our, our uh, larger ecology. And it's gonna continue for a long period of time into the future in many places around the world, simply because it's, you know, it's almost ingrained in the mindset in some degree. It becomes a part of the way people live their life. They don't see it, they don't think about it, and they literally, they, you know, they throw trash out themselves. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it, it's way more deep than that, though. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's pain. What I'm trying to say, I think it's painful. It's painful to see. It's painful um, for all of us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so we can begin in some ways we can begin doing what we can on a local level. Uh, but I mean, I do, I, I also have to say what typically you see a lot more trash in areas when you see states and in, in states, governments and states of uh, decay and disarray. 
Uh, when uh, when the state isn't doing well, often you see less um, less trash pickup. So but we're trying to create a configuration of society that's regenerative and that doesn't doesn't it, it doesn't see trash as trash sees trash exactly. as as just a you know a part of a cycle um, that doesn't disrupt our our opti optimized being and the optimized being of the organisms around us. Yeah, well said, man. And I I think you know this is where this this might sound um, you know challenging for some people to digest, but it, this is where I guess all of the pain and the hurt and the the problems on this planet are, they're just the birthing ground for different ways, right? Like um, take trash and pollution. I'm totally with you. Just the idea of the word trash makes no sense because in a regenerative loop, we it's just a different stage of its life cycle. But right. we apparently as a collective had to go through trashing and polluting everything to understand that we really don't want that. Even though it was very visible earlier in the process, like 20, 30, 40 years ago, it's becoming very dire now and very, very, very visible in all the layers of how it affects our ecology and our climate, but and ourselves and ourselves, of course, and our bodies. We have plastic in us now. Yeah, man. I mean, absolutely. And, and then at the same time, I think many people in the last five years have been waking up to the reality that standing idly by to wait for some government or some you know, uh, market regulations to change all of that, it's, it's never going to lead to, you know, a solution of this integrated regenerative ethos. And so that's where I think um, a lot of the contrast is, is ultimately necessary for people to be empowered and to create healthy uh, habitats the, themselves. And, 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 you know, as you said, demand standards with each other over authority. Um, yeah, it's, have, it's seeing the contrast and having the motion, the the motivation to move forward. Um, you know, one of the things I got to see a lot of different environments and uh, people who grow up in trash and see trash all around them, like and don't have the motivation and don't have the uh, the conditions around them to change anything. It can be you feel very disempowering. Mm. Um, so we need to change the. We need to begin. We need to amplify certain things and reduce certain things. We need to begin changing the conditions so people have the conditions to see and experience this better way of living that we can we can share on this planet together in a short period of time or a long period of time if we don't experience that contrast and begin uh applying our efforts toward the creation of this new way of living yeah beautifully said this is a good this is a good moment to um transition into my last question with you today and and that's just as you're sharing this this dream um let me just go one level deeper to like, what's the big dream that's that's in your heart um, for the seven generations ahead of us and, and what we're doing here on planet Earth? Yeah, so to me, that's a socio-technical question. Uh, so it's um, a group of people working and living together uh, toward the creation of uh, this better way of living on the planet. And so uh, I, I would like to live around others who would like to live around me because we share community. And so I think we can begin doing that. We can begin living together in habitats, in local environments, you know, 
if if we can pool our money uh, that's why we're working on this rural um, habitat and you could there are many different configurations of these we could begin building these rural habitats transitioning eco villages more greatly into these habitats where they produce an abundance of food fuel and fiber and we could begin networking together and then we can begin working maybe at the uh, all there it's a transition team like if you look at work in community they're really there's the working groups there's the uh, there's the habitat teams and then there's the transition team because we're transitioning from this new configuration from this old configuration to a new configuration so uh today we um we're we need essentially uh, a transition team and that transition team will extend generations into the future because this is a um you know this is a this is something common to all of us on this planet and so we'll extend it way into the future. And I hope eventually we'll achieve a global community type configuration of society. But maybe we could begin working first at the local levels. And so, I mean, I've met some people who like this direction and are thinking about attempting to implement a set of community standards at the state political level because they're more interested in politics, um, you know, and they're part of the transition team too. So yeah, I am just taught mostly about you know where I'm working, um, and so there are more people interested in basically having states adopt and align more greatly with community standards. So if you know that's uh, that's part of the transition could, could as well. Transition exactly. Well, Travis, thank you so much for all of the the insights you did share and all of the uh, entry points to Aravana project. And um, I'm going to make sure to um, link that out as well so that people can find it and you know just dive deeper deeper with you and be in touch. Thank you for being okay. on the Green Planet. It was a pleasure chatting with you today.